You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's January 24th. Massive bushfires have destroyed millions of acres in Australia over the past few months. As an Australian, Rand's Melissa Finucane has watched in anguish. And as a researcher who studies community resilience, she says she can't help but think about how much blood, sweat, tears, and money will be needed to recover from the devastation. It won't be easy, but disaster research highlights four steps that can be taken right away to help communities recover, Finucane says. First, rally the resources for long-term support. Be prepared for different people to need different types of support and for their needs to change over time. Second, help displaced people stay connected. The people who need connections to family and friends the most often have the fewest resources to maintain those connections. Third, stay flexible during recovery. Be clear about the national, state, and local visions for recovery, but use strategies that allow for course corrections as new information comes in or as conditions change. And fourth, engage local communities. New technologies can be helpful in high-level assessments of damages and needs, but they can't replace human insights. To develop and implement recovery plans that truly meet local needs, communities have to be engaged from the outset. Beyond these lessons from past disasters, Finucane notes that rural Australians have a, quote, special kind of resilience. Their perspectives and wisdom have been gained through hard experience, she says. But still, measuring the effects that fires and other disasters have on people's mental health and social and economic needs remains a unique challenge. Humans are and have always been vulnerable to being tricked, provoked, conditioned, or otherwise manipulated. But RAND experts say that artificial intelligence could take social manipulation to a whole new level, exploiting human weaknesses at a scale, speed, and level of effectiveness we've never seen before. That's because AI algorithms can test what content works and what doesn't over and over again on millions of people at high speed, until their targets react as desired. Consider the social bots you might already interact with, the ones that send you ads for cars or skincare products over social media. Bots like these, coupled with modern tools like big data, precision marketing, and deepfakes, could eventually be used to change people's attitudes toward other groups or to influence people's views on foreign or domestic policy. The first country to employ such tactics could prey on the public for years, the researchers say. Defending against widespread manipulation will be difficult given today's social media landscape, which allows for the easy multiplication of inauthentic individuals, personas, and accounts through the use of bots. But there are still steps that can be taken. Government regulation is one option. Another is for social media providers to proactively focus on the authenticity of users. U.S. deaths involving fentanyl and other synthetic opioids have surged from around 3,000 in 2013 to more than 30,000 in 2018. These substances have taken hold in many American communities, mostly in the eastern half of the country, communities like Dayton, Ohio. Dayton was once the epicenter of the crisis, in fact. 
In 2015, more than 250 people were dying of drug overdoses every year in Dayton and the rest of Ohio's Montgomery County. The death toll rose to nearly 350 in 2016. The year after that, it was 566. Neighbors, business leaders, and community groups in Dayton rallied together to respond to this crisis in real time. The health department offered free training for anyone to learn how to use the overdose reversal drug naloxone. And clinics handed out test strips so that drug users could check to see if their drugs contained fentanyl. By 2018, overdose deaths in the Dayton area fell by nearly half. It's unclear what exactly seems to have turned the tide, but some of the community's methods fall into a group of non-traditional, often controversial interventions that RAND researchers say must be considered to address a drug crisis unlike any in modern history. Here's one of those experts, Bo Kilmer, describing why we need to take a holistic look at America's opioid crisis and why new ideas are vital to finding solutions. If you're trying to approach this problem from purely a medical standpoint or a criminal justice standpoint, they're missing the big picture. When you think about this as an opioid ecosystem, it's also going to include our education system, employment, public health, first responders, child welfare. And if we just stick to the same old approaches, we're going to be condemning a lot of people to an early death. Kilmer is one of several authors of a recent RAND report called The Future of Fentanyl. It's the most comprehensive study to date on synthetic opioids. So if you want to learn more about this topic, you can download it for free at RAND.org. Late last year, there were significant protests against the Iranian regime, not only in Iran, but also in Iraq and Lebanon. This left Iran facing the greatest challenge to its regional position in years, says RAND's Jordan Reimer. Tehran took drastic steps to meet this challenge. For example, the regime quickly dispatched the oil subsidy protests in Iran, shutting down the internet entirely to prevent the situation from spiraling out of the regime's control. And regionally, it unleashed its supporters to muddle protests through violence and chaos. Then, the U.S. killing of Iranian Major General Qasim Soleimani earlier this month helped the regime change the conversation. Iranians backed down from government protests, instead taking to the streets to mourn the loss of a military leader. Similarly, in Iraq, protesters on the streets of Baghdad were replaced by mourners rallying around the flag to denounce the death of the Iraqi deputy commander who died alongside Soleimani. Now, Iran appears to have regained its footing in the region, despite recent smaller-scale protests over the downing of a Ukrainian passenger plane. But will Tehran's regional resurgence last? According to Reimer, that remains unclear. For most surgical procedures, Medicare provides a bundled payment that covers the operation as well as post-operative care. Rand's Andrew Mulcahy and colleagues highlighted problems with this approach in the New England Journal of Medicine this week. Evidence suggests that surgeons provide only a small share of the post-operative care that they're paid for, And because Medicare caps spending each year, overpayments to surgeons can lead to lower payments for other services, including office visits. Mulcahy says that ultimately, patients are the ones who bear the cost of these distortions in reimbursement rates. They result not only in reduced access to underpaid services, like those office visits, but they also lead to an inflated cost-sharing burden for overpaid surgical procedures. 
To address the problem, the researchers recommend moving to a system that better reflects the post-operative care that surgeons actually provide. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.